the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Some people ask questions from the Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of The Bible Live, your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. And welcome to The Bible Live. I'm John Harrison, sitting here in the studio in Soapy's chair, all by myself tonight. Both Soapy and Stacy are away from the studio. Soapy's at home. He's still kind of recuperating from the stroke he had about oh, well, a few weeks ago. Uh, I talked to him yesterday on the phone, and I thought he sounded really, really good for someone who's been through what he's been through. Yeah, that's a great sign. He's just getting a little bit better, a little bit better each day, and that's that's great. Great. We're still praying for you, Soapy, and, and want to have you back on on this microphone and sending your airwaves. Uh, as soon as possible. As far as uh, Stacy, she's uh, traveling with family in in uh, New Mexico, uh, going to the uh, the reservation where Soapy was was uh, born. She said incubated, and that's kind of funny. Uh, so what we're going to be doing tonight, since they're both away from the studio, we're going to be playing. We're going to be doing a uh, a repeat kind of a broadcasting of some of the readings from from the book of Luke that Soapy did recently on the air. Uh, the recordings, and uh, you know he'll, he'll take you through some passages in the book of Luke. I thought maybe before we got into those recordings, we could have Soapy kind of serenade us. He he loves to record uh, music. He does that with some of the Christmas traditional Christmas songs, and kind of uh, Christianizes them. You know, kind of changes the lyrics. To something like White Christmas or what what have you, Santa Claus is coming to town. But this one right here is the sweet, sweet song of salvation on the Bible Live. Oh, when you know a pretty story, you don't let it go unsaid. You tell it to your children as you tuck them into bed. And when you know a wonderful secret, well, well, you tell it to your friends. Go on and tell them that a lifetime with Jesus is like a street that never ends. Sing that sweet, sweet song of salvation. And let your laughter fill the air Sing that sweet, sweet song of salvation And tell the people everywhere Oh, sing that sweet 
its sweet song of salvation to every man in every nation. Sing that sweet, sweet song of salvation and let the people know that Jesus cares. Now look around you as you sing it and you'll see people everywhere. To those who stop and listen, your sweet song becomes their prayer. Cause when you know a wonderful secret, well, well, you tell it to your friends. Go on and tell them that a lifetime with Jesus is like a street that never ends. All right, it's your turn. Sing that sweet, sweet song of salvation. And let your laughter fill the air. Ha <laughs> ha! Sing that sweet, sweet song of salvation. And tell the people everywhere. Oh, sing that sweet, sweet song of salvation. To every man in the United Nations. Sing that sweet, sweet song of salvation. And let the people know that Jesus cares. And let the people know that Jesus really cares, really cares. The sweet, sweet song of salvation from our brother, Soapy Dollar. This is The Bible Live. I'm John Harrison. And tonight we're going to be uh, playing some passages from the book of Luke some uh doing doing a you know encore presentation of some of the readings from this, this previous week and so i'm just going to let soapy uh take over and uh get the show started this is the bible live quiz show and we are in the house thank you for joining us tonight folks for the bible live we are going to continue our way tonight through the gospel of luke as you know, we read through the entire Bible, Old and New Testaments of the Bible, and we alternate back and forth between them. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, then Matthew, Numbers and Deuteronomy, then Mark, Joshua, Judges, and Ruth, and then now we are in the Gospel of Luke. Love the Old Testament, beautiful, powerful, wonderful stories, great illustrations of God himself, about our lives as human beings, and about God's purpose for us on this planet Earth, and how we should live here on this Earth. Nothing bad about the Old Testament at all, but it's just so refreshing at times to come forward into the full light of the Messiah. There's only one gospel, one salvation, and that is by faith in God and his atoning provision for our sin, his forgiveness and cleansing found in the Messiah. Even in the Old Testament times, as they exercised their faith and obeyed God in the sacrificial system and so on, they were not trusting in the blood of goats and bulls to remove their sin. They were trusting in God's mercy, cleansing, and forgiveness, trusting in the atonement that those bulls and goats were prefiguring. Those sacrifices were foreshadowing the definitive sacrifice that God would make through Messiah, the promised, long-awaited Redeemer and Savior. They were placing their faith in God's mercy and grace through the sacrifice of Jesus the Messiah as well. They were doing it before the fact. We all look toward him, but it's so refreshing to come forward into the New Testament. Now, we're in the Gospel of Luke, which emphasizes the humanity, the manhood of Jesus the Messiah. Matthew emphasizes Jesus the King, the Savior, the King of Israel. Mark emphasizes his servant nature, his servant qualities. And Luke emphasizes at least his humanity. 
affirming his deity as the Messiah, but emphasizing his humanity. Right now, let's go to the second part of Proverbs chapter 4 tonight in our wisdom and worship segment. Proverbs 4, verses 10 through 27. My child, listen to me and do as I say, and you will have a long, good life. I will teach you wisdom's ways and lead you in straight paths. If you live a life guided by wisdom, you won't limp or stumble as you run. Carry out my instructions. Don't forsake them. Guard them, for they will lead you to a fulfilled life. Do not do as the wicked do or follow the path of evildoers. Avoid their haunts. Turn away and go somewhere else. For evil people cannot sleep until they have done their evil deed for the day. They cannot rest until they have caused someone to stumble. They eat wickedness and drink violence. The way of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn, which shines ever brighter until the full light of day. But the way of the wicked is like complete darkness. Those who follow it have no idea what they are stumbling over. Pay attention, my child, to what I say. Listen carefully. Don't lose sight of my words. Let them penetrate deep within your heart, for they bring life and radiant health to anyone who discovers their meaning. Above all else, guard your heart, for it affects everything you do. Avoid all perverse talk. Stay far from corrupt speech. Look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet, then stick to the path and stay safe. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. End of reading, Proverbs 4, 10 through is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Surrounded by your grace, how we really appreciate that wonderful truth. What a wonderful privilege it is that you and I get to live our lives every day, every minute, every hour of our lives in the context of who God is, the great creator, the king of the universe. We have a privilege of living our lives in the light of his presence. He walks with us. He guides us. He speaks to us. He provides for our lives in every moment, in every way, as he molds us and shapes us into the likeness of his dear son, the Messiah himself, transforming our character so that we reflect his character. What an amazing privilege and what a joy, what a thrill, what a delight is ours to know our God and walk with him. And have the assurance not only that we're going to go be with him when we pass from this life into the next, but we have his presence and the assurance of his guidance and his protection, his provision every moment of our lives, every day. What an excitement that brings to our existence. That is the good news. That's the gospel. That's why Jesus came, as we read about his life and ministry now, everything he is doing and saying is expressing that message of hope, and invitation into that relationship with God. Now tonight, first, there's this very interesting parable, this story that Jesus tells about these four kinds of soil. What kind of soil, what kind of person are you in terms of your response to God and to his word? Are you a footpath person? Are you a rocky soil person? 
Are you a thorn patch person or are you the good soil? Now, you'll know what I mean when you hear Jesus tell his story at the beginning of our reading tonight. Not other people. Think about your own heart and your own life, even as a believer. Which kind of soil represents your reaction toward God? We're going to read about the demoniac that we've read about in the other Gospels as well, the one who lived in the cemetery among the tombstones. And then we're going to hear about more women. Luke, in particular, is interested in showing us how Jesus reacted and responded to women in the time of this first century Roman Empire. More about Jesus discipling and training his 12 disciples as well on the Bible life. Luke 8, 4 through 9, 62. Luke 8. One day Jesus told this story to a large crowd that had gathered from many towns to hear him. A farmer went out to plant some seed. As he scattered it across his field, some seed fell on a footpath where it was stepped on and the birds came and ate it. Other seed fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. This seed began to grow, but soon it withered and died for lack of moisture. Other seed fell among thorns that shot up and choked out the tender blades. Still other seed fell on fertile soil. This seed grew and produced a crop 100 times as much as had been planted. When he had said this, he called out, Anyone who is willing to hear should listen and understand. His disciples asked him what the story meant. He replied, You have been permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of God, but I am using these stories to conceal everything about it from outsiders so that the scriptures might be fulfilled. They see what I do, but they don't really see. They hear what I say, but they don't understand. This is the meaning of the story. The seed is God's message. The seed that fell on the hard path represents those who hear the message, but then the devil comes and steals it away and prevents them from believing and being saved. The rocky soil represents those who hear the message with joy, but like young plants in such soil, their roots don't go very deep. They believe for a while, but they wilt when the hot winds of testing blow. The thorny ground represents those who hear and accept the message, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the cares and riches and pleasures of this life, and so they never grow into maturity. But the good soil represents honest, good-hearted people who hear God's message, cling to it, and steadily produce a huge harvest. No one would light a lamp and then cover it up or put it under a bed. No, lamps are mounted in the open where they can be seen by those entering the house. For everything that is hidden or secret will eventually be brought to light and made plain to all. So be sure to pay attention to what you hear. To those who are open to my teaching, more understanding will be given. But to those who are not listening, even what they think they have will be taken away from them. Once, when Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him, they couldn't get to him because of the crowds. Someone told Jesus, Your mother and your brothers are outside, and they want to see you. Jesus replied, My mother and my brothers are all those who hear the message of God and obey it. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. One day, Jesus said to his disciples, Let's cross over to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and started out. On the way across, Jesus lay down for a nap, and while he was sleeping, the wind began to rise. A fierce storm developed that threatened to swamp them, and they were in real danger. The disciples woke him up shouting, Master, Master, we're going to drown! So Jesus rebuked the wind and the raging waves. The storm stopped, and all was calm. Then he asked them, Where is your faith? And they were filled with awe and amazement. They said to one another, Who is this man that even the winds and waves obey him? So they arrived in the land of the Gerasenes across the lake from Galilee. As Jesus was climbing out of the boat, a man who was possessed by demons came out to meet him. 
homeless and naked. He had lived in a cemetery for a long time. As soon as he saw Jesus, he shrieked and fell to the ground before him, screaming, Why are you bothering me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? Please, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already commanded the evil spirit to come out of him. This spirit had often taken control of the man. Even when he was shackled with chains, he simply broke them and rushed out into the wilderness, completely under the demon's power. What is your name? Jesus asked. Legion, he replied, for the man was filled with many demons. The demons kept begging Jesus not to send them into the bottomless pit. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the hillside nearby, and the demons pleaded with him to let them enter into the pigs. Jesus gave them permission, so the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the whole herd plunged down the steep hillside into the lake, where they drowned. When the herdsmen saw it, they fled to the nearby city and the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus, for they wanted to see for themselves what had happened. And they saw the man who had been possessed by demons sitting quietly at Jesus' feet, clothed and sane, and the whole crowd was afraid. Then those who had seen what happened told the others how the demon-possessed man had been healed, and all the people in that region begged Jesus to go away and leave them alone, for a great wave of fear swept over them. So Jesus returned to the boat and left, crossing back to the other side of the lake. The man who had been demon-possessed begged to go too, but Jesus said, No, go back to your family and tell them all the wonderful things God has done for you. So he went all through the city, telling about the great thing Jesus had done for him. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. On the other side of the lake, the crowds received Jesus with open arms because they had been waiting for him. And now a man named Jairus, a leader of the local synagogue, came and fell down at Jesus' feet, begging him to come home with him. His only child was dying, a little girl 12 years old. As Jesus went with him, he was surrounded by the crowds, and there was a woman in the crowd who had had a hemorrhage for 12 years. She had spent everything she had on doctors and still could find no cure. She came up behind Jesus and touched the fringe of his robe. Immediately the bleeding stopped. Who touched me, Jesus asked. Everyone denied it, and Peter said, Master, this whole crowd is pressing up against you. But Jesus told him, No, someone deliberately touched me, for I felt healing power go out from me. When the woman realized that Jesus knew, she began to tremble and fell to her knees before him. The whole crowd heard her explain why she had touched him and that she had been immediately healed. Daughter, he said to her, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. While he was still speaking to her, a messenger arrived from Jairus' home with the message, Your little girl is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. But when Jesus heard what had happened, he said to Jairus, Don't be afraid. Just trust me and she will be all right. When they arrived at the house, Jesus wouldn't let anyone go in with him except Peter, James, John, and the little girl's father and mother. The house was filled with people weeping and wailing, but he said, Stop the weeping. She isn't dead. She is only asleep. But the crowd laughed at him because they all knew she had died. Then Jesus took her by the hand and said in a loud voice, Get up, my child. And at that moment her life returned, and she immediately stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Her parents were overwhelmed, but Jesus insisted that they not tell anyone what had happened. Luke 9 one day Jesus called together his twelve apostles and gave them power and authority to cast out demons and to heal all diseases. Then he sent them out to tell everyone about the coming of the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Don't even take along a walking stick, he instructed them, nor a traveler's bag, nor food, nor money, not even an extra coat. When you enter each village, be a guest in only one home. 
If the people of the village won't receive your message when you enter it, shake off its dust from your feet as you leave. It is a sign that you have abandoned that village to its fate. So they began their circuit of the villages, preaching the good news and healing the sick. When reports of Jesus' miracles reached Herod Antipas, he was worried and puzzled because some were saying, This is John the Baptist, come back to life again. Others were saying, It is Elijah or some other ancient prophet risen from the dead. I beheaded John, Herod said. So who is this man about whom I hear such strange stories? And he tried to see him. When the apostles returned, they told Jesus everything they had done. Then he slipped quietly away with them toward the town of Bethsaida. But the crowds found out where he was going, and they followed him. And he welcomed them, teaching them about the kingdom of God and curing those who were ill. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Late in the afternoon, the twelve disciples came to him and said, Send the crowds away to the nearby villages and farms so they can find food and lodging for the night. There is nothing to eat here in this deserted place. But Jesus said, You feed them. Impossible, they protested. We have only five loaves of bread and two fish. Or are you expecting us to go and buy enough food for this whole crowd? For there were about 5,000 men there. Just tell them to sit down on the ground in groups of about 50 each, Jesus replied. So the people all sat down. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, looked up toward heaven, and asked God's blessing on the food. Breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread and fish to the disciples to give to the people. They all ate as much as they wanted, and they picked up twelve baskets of leftovers. One day, as Jesus was alone, praying, he came over to his disciples and asked them, Who do people say that I am? Well, they replied, Some say John the Baptist. Some say Elijah, and others say you are one of the other ancient prophets risen from the dead. Then he asked them, Who do you say I am? Peter replied, You are the Messiah sent from God. Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about this. For I, the Son of Man, must suffer many terrible things, he said. I will be rejected by the leaders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. I will be killed, but three days later I will be raised from the dead. Then he said to the crowd, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must put aside your selfish ambition, shoulder your cross daily, and follow me. If you try to keep your life for yourself, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find true life. And how do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose or forfeit your own soul in the process? If a person is ashamed of me and my message, I, the Son of Man, will be ashamed of that person when I return in my glory and in the glory of the Father and the holy angels. And I assure you that some of you standing here right now will not die before you see the kingdom of God. About eight days later, Jesus took Peter, James, and John to a mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothing became dazzling white. Then two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared and began talking with Jesus. They were glorious to see, and they were speaking about how he was about to fulfill God's plan by dying in Jerusalem. Peter and the others were very drowsy and had fallen asleep. Now they woke up and saw Jesus' glory and the two men standing with him. As Moses and Elijah were starting to leave, Peter, not even knowing what he was saying, blurted out, Master, this is wonderful. We will make three shrines, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. But even as he was saying this, a cloud came over them, and terror gripped them as it covered them. Then a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, my chosen one. Listen to him. When the voice died away, Jesus was there alone. They didn't tell anyone what they had seen until long after this happened. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. The next day, after they had come down the mountain, a huge crowd met Jesus. 
A man in the crowd called out to him, Teacher, look at my boy who is my only son. An evil spirit keeps seizing him, making him scream. It throws him into convulsions so that he foams at the mouth. It is always hitting and injuring him. It hardly ever leaves him alone. I begged your disciples to cast the spirit out, but they couldn't do it. You stubborn, faithless people, Jesus said. How long must I be with you and put up with you? Bring him here. As the boy came forward, the demon knocked him to the ground and threw him into a violent convulsion. But Jesus rebuked the evil spirit and healed the boy. Then he gave him back to his father. All gripped the people as they saw this display of God's power. While everyone was marveling over all the wonderful things he was doing, Jesus said to his disciples, Listen to me and remember what I say. The Son of Man is going to be betrayed. But they didn't know what he meant. Its significance was hidden from them, so they could not understand it, and they were afraid to ask him about it. Then there was an argument among them as to which of them would be the greatest. But Jesus knew their thoughts, so he brought a little child to his side. Then he said to them, Anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf welcomes me, and anyone who welcomes me welcomes my Father who sent me. Whoever is the least among you is the greatest. John said to Jesus, Master, we saw someone using your name to cast out demons. We tried to stop him because he isn't in our group. But Jesus said, Don't stop him. Anyone who is not against you is for you. As the time drew near for his return to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. He sent messengers ahead to a Samaritan village to prepare for his arrival, but they were turned away. The people of the village refused to have anything to do with Jesus because he had resolved to go to Jerusalem. When James and John heard about it, they said to Jesus, Lord, should we order down fire from heaven to burn them up? But Jesus turned and rebuked them, so they went on to another village. As they were walking along, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you no matter where you go. But Jesus replied, Foxes have dens to live in, and birds have nests. But I, the Son of Man, have no home of my own, not even a place to lay my head. He said to another person, Come, be my disciple. The man agreed, but he said, Lord, first let me return home and bury my father. Jesus replied, Let those who are spiritually dead care for their own dead. Your duty is to go and preach the coming of the kingdom of God. Another said, Yes, Lord, I will follow you, but first let me say goodbye to my family. But Jesus told him, Anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. End of reading, Luke 8, 4 through 9, 62. Listen to the Bible Live right here on KSLR or on the World Wide Web or through through uh, Alexa. However you're picking us up tonight, we appreciate you tuning in and uh, just kind of uh, learning from the, uh, the book of Luke. I'm John Harrison, sitting in the studio. Uh, Sophie and Stacy are away tonight. When we come back, more from the book of Luke. Here on the Bible Live Quiz Show. Stay tuned. We are the broken. 
You're listening to the Bible live with Soapy Dollar. Jesus Dr. Stan Shelton with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway has taken care of the Dollar family that Suzanne and me plus our three children for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to drshelton.com or call 590-7878. Come on, we're going to say this again. Come on. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. The Bible Live, Soapy Dollar's weekly trip through the Bible. He's been doing this for 21 years and just taking his listeners through the Bible. Book by book, verse by verse. I am John Harrison. I want to send Soapy a, a, you know, a lot of love and, and, and hope to have him back in the studio as soon as possible. Hey, if you want to hear these readings uh, again, maybe you missed something, maybe you wanted to hear something again, all you have to do is go to Soapy's website, BibleLive.com. It's that simple, BibleLive.com. Now, back to Soapy Dollar and more from the book of Luke. As we continue our way through the great book of books, we are in the New Testament Gospel of Luke. The predominant thought is that Luke was a Greek, non-Jewish physician of the first century, a follower of Jesus, the Messiah. Wouldn't it be interesting to know his story? We'd love to hear the story more completely of Dr. Luke. Tonight we'll pick up at chapter 10 with a focus on Jesus training his disciples. Jesus knows and understands his role as the Messiah, his destiny, what he is here to do. He knows that he will be crucified. He knows he'll be raised from the dead. But that in centuries and in generations to come, others will have to take the news of the salvation that he offers to the nations of the world. And so he's looking at these 12 disciples and, of course, others. There were more than just 12. He'll send out 72 messengers tonight we'll read about. But before we get to the Gospel of Luke, let's go to our Wisdom and Worship segment. In the Proverbs chapter 5, again a warning about sexual impurity on the Bible life. Proverbs 5, 1 through 14. My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Listen carefully to my wise counsel. Then you will learn to be discreet and will store up knowledge. The lips of an immoral woman are as sweet as honey, and her mouth is smoother than oil. But the result is as bitter as poison, sharp as a double-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps lead straight to the grave, for she does not care about the path to life. She staggers down a crooked trail and doesn't even realize where it leads. So now, my sons, listen to me. Never stray from what I am about to say. Run from her. Don't go near the door of her house. If you do, you will lose your honor and hand over to merciless people everything you have achieved in life. Strangers will obtain your wealth, and someone else will enjoy the fruit of your labor. Afterward, you will groan in anguish when disease consumes your body, and you will say, How I hated discipline! If only I had not demanded my own way. 
Oh, why didn't I listen to my teachers? Why didn't I pay attention to those who gave me instruction? I have come to the brink of utter ruin, and now I must face public disgrace. End of reading Proverbs 5, verses 1 through 14. Why do you go on hiding when you know the world is waiting for you to like the star? This is the Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. Shine like the stars. Where does that come from? Is that Daniel that talked about those who win souls are wise? Shine like It's a passage. I know it is. It comes right out of the scriptures. Did you find that in Philippians 2.15? How about you? Brian already found it, but I, I think it's got a reference to the Old Testament. The life of Jesus is so astounding that we have recorded here in the Gospels. Luke, in particular, homes in and focuses on some of Jesus' interaction and ministry in and through and with women of his time, which is a great theme because, as you know, in that time, there was not much for women. There was not much freedom, not much potential for them. You know what, though? Women always carve out their space. <laughs> it's They do, right? Brian says amen. Yeah, I don't care what the culture or what the rules are. They have a way of carving out their space, and their influence is felt, and it has been felt all throughout human history, beginning with the Garden of Eden and on down, right? But in the Roman Empire, of course, in that time, Luke gives special emphasis to Jesus' ministry to and with women. Now, most of chapters 9 through 18, and that's where we are right now in chapter 10, most of chapter 9, verse 51, through chapter 18, is not found in any other gospel. So we are reading stories and interesting details of the life and ministry of Jesus that are not recorded in the other gospels. And don't let that alarm you. These are not chronological histories. These are definitely more like portraits, paintings, that look at the life of Jesus each of these authors looks at his life and his ministry from their own personal experience and background perspective, and each of them has their own emphasis, not just neutral storytellers. They are believers. They are followers. They are advocates. They want you to meet Jesus. They want you to trust in Jesus. And through Jesus, they want you to receive the salvation that God intended for all humanity, that eternal relationship with him. They're telling these stories with that in mind. And Luke, of course, as we've mentioned before, is emphasizing that he was truly entirely a man. From the time he was a tiny little fertilized egg on the wall of Mary's womb to the time he dies on that Roman cross, he is entirely a man walking out by faith the role and the purposes that God had for the Messiah. This man who would fulfill all of the law, live a perfect life of faith and trust and obedience to the Father, then he who knew no sin becomes sin for us. So we'll read about the training of the 12, his disciples, and a broader group as well, about 72. We'll see his interaction with the women, Martha and Mary, from the Gospel of Luke here on The Bible Live. Luke 10, 1 through 12, 12, Luke 10. The Lord now chose 72 other disciples and sent them on ahead in pairs to all the towns and villages he planned to visit. These were his instructions to them. The harvest is so great, but the workers are so few. Pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send out more workers for his field. Go now and remember that I am sending you out as lambs among wolves. Don't take along any money or a traveler's bag or even an extra pair of sandals. And don't stop to greet anyone on the road. 
Whenever you enter a home, give it your blessing. If those who live there are worthy, the blessing will stand. If they are not, the blessing will return to you. When you enter a town, don't move around from home to home. Stay in one place, eating and drinking what they provide you. Don't hesitate to accept hospitality because those who work deserve their pay. If a town welcomes you, eat whatever is set before you and heal the sick. As you heal them, say the kingdom of God is near you now. But if a town refuses to welcome you, go out into its streets and say, We wipe the dust of your town from our feet as a public announcement of your doom. And don't forget, the kingdom of God is near. The truth is, even wicked Sodom will be better off than such a town on the judgment day. What horrors await you, Chorazin and Bethsaida? For if the miracles I did in you had been done in wicked Tyre and Sidon, their people would have sat in deep repentance long ago, clothed in sackcloth and throwing ashes on their heads to show their remorse. Yes, Tyre and Sidon will be better off on the judgment day than you. And you people of Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? No, you will be brought down to the place of the dead. Then he said to his disciples, Anyone who accepts your message is also accepting me, and anyone who rejects you is rejecting me. And anyone who rejects me is rejecting God who sent me. When the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. Yes, he told them, I saw Satan falling from heaven as a flash of lightning, and I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy, and you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. But don't rejoice just because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered as citizens of heaven. Then Jesus was filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit and said, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding the truth from those who think themselves so wise and clever and for revealing it to the childlike. Yes, Father, it pleased you to do it this way. My Father has given me authority over everything. No one really knows the Son except the Father, and no one really knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. Then when they were alone, He turned to the disciples and said, How privileged you are to see what you have seen. I tell you, many prophets and kings have longed to see and hear what you have seen and heard, but they could not. You're listening to the Bible live with Soapy Dollar. One day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking Him this question. Teacher, what must I do to receive eternal life? Jesus replied, What does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him, Do this and you will live. The man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied with an illustration. A Jewish man was traveling on a trip from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes and money, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a Jewish priest came along. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt deep pity. Kneeling beside him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with medicine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day he handed the innkeeper two pieces of silver and told him to take care of the man. If his bill runs higher than that, he said, I'll pay the difference the next time I am here. Now which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by the bandits, Jesus asked. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes. 
Now go and do the same. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a village where a woman named Martha welcomed them into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. But Martha was worrying over the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, My dear Martha, you are so upset over all these details. There is really only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and I won't take it away from her. Luke 11. Once when Jesus had been out praying, one of his disciples came to him as he finished and said, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said, This is how you should pray. Father, may your name be honored. May your kingdom come soon. Give us our food day by day, and forgive us our sins, just as we forgive those who have sinned against us. And don't let us yield to temptation. Then, teaching them more about prayer, he used this illustration. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight, wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You would say to him, A friend of mine has just arrived for a visit, and I have nothing for him to eat. He would call out from his bedroom, Don't bother me! The door is locked for the night, and we are all in bed. I can't help you this time. But I tell you this, though he won't do it as a friend, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you what you want so his reputation won't be damaged. And so I tell you, keep on asking, and you will be given what you ask for. Keep on looking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and the door is opened to everyone who knocks. You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. If you, sinful people, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. One day Jesus cast a demon out of a man who couldn't speak, and the man's voice returned to him. The crowd was amazed, but some said, No wonder he can cast out demons. He gets his power from Satan, the prince of demons. Trying to test Jesus, others asked for a miraculous sign from heaven to see if he was from God. He knew their thoughts, so he said, Any kingdom at war with itself is doomed. A divided home is also doomed. You say, I am empowered by the prince of demons. But if Satan is fighting against himself by empowering me to cast out his demons, how can his kingdom survive? And if I am empowered by the prince of demons, what about your own followers? They cast out demons too, so they will judge you for what you have said. But if I am casting out demons by the power of God, then the kingdom of God has arrived among you. For when Satan, who is completely armed, guards his palace, it is safe. Until someone who is stronger attacks and overpowers him, strips him of his weapons, and carries off his belongings. Anyone who isn't helping me opposes me, and anyone who isn't working with me is actually working against me. When an evil spirit leaves a person, it goes into the desert, searching for rest. But when it finds none, it says, I will return to the person I came from. So it returns and finds that its former home is all swept and clean. Then the spirit finds seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they all enter the person and live there, and so that person is worse off than before. As he was speaking, a woman in the crowd called out, God bless your mother, the womb from which you came, and the breast that nursed you. He replied, But even more blessed are all who hear the word of God and put it into practice. As the crowd pressed in on Jesus, he said, These are evil times, and this evil generation keeps asking me to show them a miraculous sign. But the only sign I will give them is the sign of the prophet Jonah. 
What happened to him was a sign to the people of Nineveh that God had sent him. What happens to me will be a sign that God has sent me, the Son of Man, to these people. The Queen of Sheba will rise up against this generation on Judgment Day and condemn it, because she came from a distant land to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And now someone greater than Solomon is here, and you refuse to listen to him. The people of Nineveh, too, will rise up against this generation on Judgment Day and condemn it, because they repented at the teaching of Jonah. And now someone greater than Jonah is here, and you refuse to repent. No one lights a lamp and then hides it or puts it under a basket. Instead, it is put on a lampstand to give light to all who enter the room. Your eye is a lamp for your body. A pure eye lets sunshine into your soul, but an evil eye shuts out the light and plunges you into darkness. Make sure that the light you think you have is not really darkness. If you are filled with light with no dark corners, then your whole life will be radiant as though a floodlight is shining on you. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. As Jesus was speaking, one of the Pharisees invited him home for a meal. So he went in and took his place at the table. His host was amazed to see that he sat down to eat without first performing the ceremonial washing required by Jewish custom. Then the Lord said to him, You Pharisees are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you are still filthy, full of greed and wickedness. Fools! Didn't God make the inside as well as the outside? So give to the needy what you greedily possess, and you will be clean all over. But how terrible it will be for you Pharisees, for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest part of your income, but you completely forget about justice and the love of God. You should tithe, yes, but you should not leave undone the more important things. How terrible it will be for you Pharisees, for how you love the seats of honor in the synagogues and the respectful greetings from everyone as you walk through the markets. Yes, how terrible it will be for you, for you are like hidden graves in a field. People walk over them without knowing the corruption they are stepping on. Teacher, said an expert in religious law, you have insulted us too in what you just said. Yes, said Jesus, how terrible it will be for you experts in religious law, for you crush people beneath impossible religious demands, and you never lift a finger to help ease the burden. How terrible it will be for you, for you build tombs for the very prophets your ancestors killed long ago. Murderers! You agree with your ancestors that what they did was right. You would have done the same yourselves. This is what God in His wisdom said about you. I will send prophets and apostles to them, and they will kill some and persecute the others. And you of this generation will be held responsible for the murder of all God's prophets from the creation of the world, from the murder of Abel to the murder of Zechariah, who was killed between the altar and the sanctuary. Yes, it will surely be charged against you. How terrible it will be for you experts in religious law. For you hide the key to knowledge from the people. You don't enter the kingdom yourselves, and you prevent others from entering. As Jesus finished speaking, the Pharisees and teachers of religious law were furious. From that time on, they grilled him with many hostile questions, trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. Luke 12. Meanwhile, the crowds grew until thousands were milling about and crushing each other. Jesus turned first to his disciples and warned them, Beware of the yeast of the Pharisees. Beware of their hypocrisy. The time is coming when everything will be revealed. All that is secret will be made public. Whatever you have said in the dark will be heard in the light, and what you have whispered behind closed doors will be shouted from the housetops for all to hear. Dear friends, don't be afraid of those who want to kill you. 
They can only kill the body. They cannot do any more to you. But I'll tell you whom to fear. Fear God, who has the power to kill people and then throw them into hell. What is the price of five sparrows? A couple of pennies? Yet God does not forget a single one of them. And the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are more valuable to him than a whole flock of sparrows. And I assure you of this. If anyone acknowledges me publicly here on earth, I, the Son of Man, will openly acknowledge that person in the presence of God's angels. But if anyone denies me here on earth, I will deny that person before God's angels. Yet those who speak against the Son of Man may be forgiven. But anyone who speaks blasphemies against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. And when you are brought to trial in the synagogues and before rulers and authorities, don't worry about what to say in your defense. For the Holy Spirit will teach you what needs to be said even as you are standing there. End of reading, Luke 10, 1 through 12, 12. Listening to God's talk show, The Bible Live. You are listening to the Bible Live right now. Actually, you're listening to Sam Cook. Jesus, I'll never forget. The Word of God through the voice of Soapy Dollar. That's right. In the book of Luke. I'm John Harrison. I'm kind of uh, running the board tonight and sitting here just just uh, soaking up the word, the scripture. There's going to be more from the book of Luke, more from Soapy Dollar, and more from the Bible Live coming up just moments away. You don't want to go anywhere. Keep your radio, keep Alexa, keep your internet, wherever you're listening to us. Keep it on the Bible Live quiz show. We'll be back after these messages. That's what you been my friend when I was friendless. That's what you been my water when I was thirsty. That's what Well, then you took my feet out the mark. What you done for me, Jesus, I'll never forget. You set my soul free, Jesus, I'll never forget how you brought me out. This is the Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. 
Welcome back to the Bible Life Quiz Show. Soapy Dollar and the and the, the Holy Scripture. I'm John Harrison, and I'm just going to let Soapy and the Word of God just uh, take over. You know, I'm just going to let it get right back into the show. You're listening to this the KSLR, and it's broadcast of the Bible Life Quiz Show. Soapy, get well soon, and hopefully we'll see you back here live real soon. On the roof. It's intriguing to me how Tevye, the main character of that, walks through his life communicating, conversing with God, listening and speaking. It's very, very interesting to me. I think it's some kind of a, a model for us, a pattern that we could set each of us in our heart and our mind, just walking through the day with the Lord. One of the great keys in our Christian life is bringing the Lord into every area of our lives, assuming we're not doing something that is against God's will, breaking God's laws and his commands to us. We're walking through life, taking care of business, as they say, supporting the family, earning a living, and supplying the goods and services that people need and so on, as most of us do in our workplaces. Bring God into those relationships. Bring God into those activities, into that lunch break, into that coffee break. Let God walk through those with you. When we do that, when we bring God into our earthly experiences, we lift the purpose and meaning and significance of those activities. We lift their significance into the eternal. We give them an infinite purpose. They tie them to the purposes of God. An amazing thing to do when we can live our lives that way. In our reading tonight, we're going to pick up in Luke chapter 12. But right now, let's go to the book of the Proverbs and finish chapter 5, talking about faithfulness in marriage. Proverbs 5. 15 through 23. Drink water from your own well. Share your love only with your wife. Why spill the water of your springs in public, having sex with just anyone? You should reserve it for yourselves. Don't share it with strangers. Let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. She is a loving doe, a graceful deer. Let her breasts satisfy you always. May you always be captivated by her love. Why be captivated, my son, with an immoral woman, or embrace the breast of an adulterous woman? For the Lord sees clearly what a man does, examining every path he takes. An evil man is held captive by his own sins. They are ropes that catch and hold him. He will die for lack of self-control. He will be lost because of his incredible folly. End of reading, Proverbs 5, 15 through 23. You're listening to The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. Let's see if that happens as we turn our eyes upon the Savior this evening. Reading from Luke chapters 12 through 14. Very interesting section, these chapters now, as we move toward the end of the life and ministry of Jesus, 
the Messiah. There are going to be a number of parables tonight. The parable of the rich fool talks about the place of riches and materialism in our lives, giving so much concern to affairs of this world, fame and fortune, influence and power, that we leave all thought of eternal significance. It has to do with what I began the program with this evening, bringing God into the everyday decisions so that we are not dominated by the temporal, that we are not distracted and dominated totally by the material, always making sure that we are living our lives in view of eternity. Jesus is going to give us teaching about worry and about anxiety. Who doesn't need that kind of input tonight? Maybe you're worried and a little afraid of the future, concerned about the finances and the economy and your job and this or that or the other, maybe a relationship in your life, in your future, a career choice, a decision you have to make. Don't be anxious. If we belong to Christ, there is a place of peace and rest for us. We'll see Jesus grieve over the city of Jerusalem. How often have we grieved over our city? Do we cry over San Antonio, the cities where we are ministering? Let's listen now to the Bible life. Luke twelve thirteen through fourteen twenty four. Luke twelve. Then someone called from the crowd, Teacher, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. Jesus replied, Friend, who made me judge over you to decide such things as that? Then he said, Beware, don't be greedy for what you don't have. Real life is not measured by how much we own. And he gave an illustration. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. In fact, his barns were full to overflowing, so he said, I know, I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have room enough to store everything, and I'll sit back and say to myself, My friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, you will die this very night. Then who will get it all? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. Then turning to his disciples, Jesus said, So I tell you, don't worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food to eat or clothes to wear, for life consists of far more than food and clothing. Look at the ravens. They don't need to plant or harvest or put food in barns because God feeds them, and you are far more valuable to him than any birds. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Of course not. And if worry can't do little things like that, what's the use of worrying over bigger things? Look at the lilies and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for flowers that are here today and gone tomorrow, won't he more surely care for you? You have so little faith. And don't worry about food, what to eat and drink. Don't worry whether God will provide it for you. These things dominate the thoughts of most people, but your Father already knows your needs. He will give you all you need from day to day if you make the kingdom of God your primary concern. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. So don't be afraid, little flock, for it gives your Father great happiness to give you the kingdom. Sell what you have and give to those in need. This will store up treasure for you in heaven, and the purses of heaven have no holes in them. Your treasure will be safe. No thief can steal it, and no moth can destroy it. Wherever your treasure is, there your heart and thoughts will also be. Be dressed for service and well prepared, as though you were waiting for your master to return from the wedding feast. Then you will be ready to open the door and let him in the moment he arrives and knocks. 
There will be special favor for those who are ready and waiting for his return. I tell you, he himself will seat them, put on an apron, and serve them as they sit and eat. He may come in the middle of the night or just before dawn, but whenever he comes, there will be special favor for his servants who are ready. Know this, a homeowner who knew exactly when a burglar was coming would not permit the house to be broken into. You must be ready all the time, for the Son of Man will come when least expected. Peter asked, Lord, is this illustration just for us or for everyone? And the Lord replied, I'm talking to any faithful, sensible servant to whom the master gives the responsibility of managing his household and feeding his family. If the master returns and finds that the servant has done a good job, there will be a reward. I assure you, the master will put that servant in charge of all he owns. But if the servant thinks, my master won't be back for a while and begins oppressing the other servants, partying and getting drunk, well, the master will return unannounced and unexpected. He will tear the servant apart and banish him with the unfaithful. The servant will be severely punished, for though he knew his duty, he refused to do it. But people who are not aware that they are doing wrong will be punished only lightly. Much is required from those to whom much is given, and much more is required from those to whom much more is given. I have come to bring fire to the earth, and I wish that my task were already completed. There is a terrible baptism ahead of me, and I am under a heavy burden until it is accomplished. Do you think I have come to bring peace to the earth? No, I have come to bring strife and division. From now on, families will be split apart, three in favor of me and two against, or the other way around. There will be a division between father and son, mother and daughter, mother-in-law and daughter-in-law. Then Jesus turned to the crowd and said, When you see the clouds beginning to form in the west, you say, Here comes a shower. And you are right. When the south wind blows, you say, Today will be a scorcher. And it is. You hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and the sky, but you can't interpret these present times. Why can't you decide for yourselves what is right? If you are on the way to court and you meet your accuser, Try to settle the matter before it reaches the judge, or you may be sentenced and handed over to an officer and thrown in jail. And if that happens, you won't be free again until you have paid the last penny. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Luke 13. About this time, Jesus was informed that Pilate had murdered some people from Galilee as they were sacrificing at the temple in Jerusalem. Do you think those Galileans were worse sinners than other people from Galilee, he asked? Is that why they suffered? Not at all. And you will also perish unless you turn from your evil ways and turn to God. And what about the 18 men who died when the Tower of Siloam fell on them? Were they the worst sinners in Jerusalem? No. And I tell you again that unless you repent, you will also perish. Then Jesus used this illustration. A man planted a fig tree in his garden and came again and again to see if there was any fruit on it. But he was always disappointed. Finally, he said to his gardener, I've waited three years and there hasn't been a single fig. Cut it down. It's taking up space we can use for something else. The gardener answered, Give it one more chance. Leave it another year and I'll give it special attention and plenty of fertilizer. If we get figs next year, fine. If not, you can cut it down. One Sabbath day, as Jesus was teaching in a synagogue, he saw a woman who had been crippled by an evil spirit. She had been bent double for 18 years and was unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Woman, you are healed of your sickness. Then he touched her, and instantly she could stand straight. 
How she praised and thanked God. But the leader in charge of the synagogue was indignant that Jesus had healed her on the Sabbath day. There are six days of the week for working, he said to the crowd. Come on those days to be healed, not on the Sabbath. But the Lord replied, You hypocrite, you work on the Sabbath day. Don't you untie your ox or your donkey from their stalls on the Sabbath day and lead them out for water? Wasn't it necessary for me, even on the Sabbath day, to free this dear woman from the bondage in which Satan had held her for eighteen years? This shamed his enemies, and all the people rejoiced at the wonderful things he did. Then Jesus said, What is the kingdom of God like? How can I illustrate it? It is like a tiny mustard seed planted in a garden. It grows and becomes a tree, and the birds come and find shelter among its branches. He also asked, What else is the kingdom of God like? It is like yeast used by a woman making bread. Even though she used a large amount of flour, the yeast permeated every part of the dough. Jesus went through the towns and villages, teaching as he went, always pressing on toward Jerusalem. Someone asked him, Lord, will only a few be saved? He replied, The door to heaven is narrow. Work hard to get in, because many will try to enter. But when the head of the house has locked the door, it will be too late. Then you will stand outside, knocking and pleading, Lord, open the door for us. But he will reply, I do not know you. You will say, But we ate and drank with you, and you taught in our streets. And he will reply, I tell you, I don't know you. Go away, all you who do evil. And there will be great weeping and gnashing of teeth, for you will see Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and all the prophets within the kingdom of God. But you will be thrown out. Then people will come from all over the world to take their places in the kingdom of God. And note this, some who are despised now will be greatly honored then, and some who are greatly honored now will be despised then. A few minutes later, some Pharisees said to him, Get out of here if you want to live, because Herod Antipas wants to kill you. Jesus replied, Go tell that fox that I will keep on casting out demons and doing miracles of healing today and tomorrow, and the third day I will accomplish my purpose. Yes, today, tomorrow, and the next day I must proceed on my way, for it wouldn't do for a prophet of God to be killed except in Jerusalem. O oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones God's messengers. How often I have wanted to gather your children together as a hen protects her chicks beneath her wings. But you wouldn't let me. And now look, your house is left to you, empty, and you will never see me again until you say, Bless the one who comes in the name of the Lord. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Luke 14. One Sabbath day, Jesus was in the home of a leader of the Pharisees. The people were watching him closely because there was a man there whose arms and legs were swollen. Jesus asked the Pharisees and experts in religious law, Well, is it permitted in the law to heal people on the Sabbath day or not? When they refused to answer, Jesus touched the sick man and healed him and sent him away. Then he turned to them and asked, Which of you doesn't work on the Sabbath? If your son or your cow falls into a pit, don't you proceed at once to get him out? Again, they had no answer. When Jesus noticed that all who had come to the dinner were trying to sit near the head of the table, he gave them this advice. If you are invited to a wedding feast, don't always head for the best seat. What if someone more respected than you has also been invited? The host will say, let this person sit here instead. Then you will be embarrassed and will have to take whatever seat is left at the foot of the table. Do this instead. Sit at the foot of the table. Then when your host sees you, he will come and say, friend, we have a better place than this for you. 
Then you will be honored in front of all the other guests. For the proud will be humbled, but the humble will be honored. Then he turned to his host. When you put on a luncheon or a dinner, he said, don't invite your friends, brothers, relatives, and rich neighbors, for they will repay you by inviting you back. Instead, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. Then at the resurrection of the godly, God will reward you for inviting those who could not repay you. Hearing this, a man sitting at the table with Jesus exclaimed, What a privilege it would be to have a share in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied with this illustration, A man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. When all was ready, he sent his servant around to notify the guests that it was time for them to come. But they all began making excuses. One said he had just bought a field and wanted to inspect it, so he asked to be excused. Another said he had just bought five pair of oxen and wanted to try them out. Another had just been married, so he said he couldn't come. The servant returned and told his master what they had said. His master was angry and said, Go quickly into the streets and alleys of the city and invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. After the servant had done this, he reported, There is still room for more. So his master said, Go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges, and urge anyone you find to come, so that the house will be full. For none of those I invited first will get even the smallest taste of what I had prepared for them. End of reading Luke twelve thirteen through fourteen twenty four. No doubt it'll be all right. With God it'll all work together for good. No doubt in the end it will be understood. No doubt it'll all work out. With faith it can move any mouth for us. No doubt in the power. You're listening to the Bible live with Soapy Dollar. I hope you have a Bible Live notebook. Just go down to the corner store and get yourselves one of those spiral notebooks. I put Wednesday, and I write down that day's passages tonight from the book of Proverbs and the Gospel of Luke. I write those passages down, and just write out what jumps into my head, what I hear, and what God speaks to my heart. You really don't have time to make an in-depth meeting of the in-depth meeting study out of it. But you can write down the impressions that come to your mind as you hear the scriptures. I was intrigued by the parable of the rich man and the fool. Sometimes that seems to be all we're about in this world, just trying to get bigger barns and more stuff. Not a thought given to the fact that you're going to die and you're going to go into eternity. You can't take it with you. We've been reading about that in the Proverbs as well. You fool, you will die this very night. Then someone else will get everything you worked for. Well, then there's this passage about worrying and anxiety. There's a lot of that in our culture and our society today. This is a command, not the worry. And we're also given a similar command in the book of Philippians as God's children. So if you're worrying and full of anxiety, that really is a choice that we make. You don't have to as God's children. Rusty called, and we were talking about the idea that when we turn our eyes upon Jesus, then the things of earth grow strangely dim. As we bring the Lord into our daily lives, all those problems and difficulties and concerns and the anxiety tend to fall away, and we are left with peace, and we are left with confidence in God and what he's doing. He says, seek God's kingdom above all else, and he will give you everything you need. Don't be concerned about what to eat, what to drink. Don't worry about such things. Now, see, that almost goes against the grain of our logic. We think, well, that's what you got to worry about. you got to think about that, food and drink, but also clothes that we wear and probably the house that we live in and so on. 
Jesus said, these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers all over the world, but we're supposed to be different, aren't we? He says, but your father already knows your needs. Seek his kingdom above all else, and he will give you everything that you need. Doesn't say everything that you want, but all that we need. I hope that you've come to the point in your life where you understand that and have experienced that to be true. Sometimes we learn this lesson way late. I hope that you have come early to the idea of abandoning yourself to God, trusting in his provision, trusting in his guidance in your life. Just relax. Rest in who the Lord is and what he is doing in you and with you. Rest in that. Now, we're told here also to prepare for the future. There's a lot of talk about the second coming of Jesus and the end times. All of us think about it. We live every day with our eye a little bit to the sky, wondering when will Jesus return? That's important that we know that he's coming. But the most important, the key teaching about Jesus' second coming is be ready. It's not trying to figure out when it is. It'll happen when it happens. All of this trying to figure out the million-man army from the east, this group from up there and this group over here, and this group's going to do this and this is going to happen there, and those things can be interesting, but you're not going to figure it out. You're not going to figure out when it's coming because he's made it clear that we're not going to know either the hour or the day. The key teaching continually and consistently is be ready every day. That is the key teaching. I do want to mention this one thing. Have you wept over your city? Have you wept over San Antonio? Have you wept over your community? Jesus here, we see him crying, deeply touched as he overlooks the city of Jerusalem and and realizes the potential, the great blessing that God wanted to bring for that city, for his people there. But they would not. They would not receive it. What a tragedy that is. And, of course, we look at the suffering and the difficulties in our city, and we think of the hundreds of thousands that walk and live every day without the knowledge of the Savior, without the peace, without the forgiveness and the cleansing, and without the hope that we have in Jesus the Messiah. And that should grieve us. It should make us sad. It should break our hearts. And it should move us to pray. It should move us to action to help bring the message of redemption and salvation to someone, our next-door neighbor, someone at work. Be praying for people that are in your circle of relationships. That is a circle that is unique to you. So be praying for them and take the opportunity from time to time in word and deed to point them toward Jesus, the Messiah. Nice visit tonight during the reading Lewis calls in and we get a chance to visit with him and encourage him and pray together about what the Lord is teaching us and showing us from his word. Glad to do it. I pray each night as the scriptures go out, as God's word goes out, that you're finding comfort, that you're finding encouragement, that the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart about some issue, about some matter in your life and giving you strength, giving you understanding to continue forward. That's our prayer each and every night as the word goes out. John Harrison here at the Bible Life. Excuse me. This is the Bible Life quiz hour. And, and of course, if you're just tuning in or if you've came in about partway through the show, Soapy and Stacy are both away from the studio. Soapy is still recovering from his uh, stroke that he had a few weeks ago. He's sounding great. And Stacy is traveling with her family. She's in New Mexico at this moment. So hopefully she'll be back next week here in the studio. A dollar live in the studio. And hopefully we'll have Soapy back ASAP. Well, 
I'm John Harrison. We appreciate you tuning in. I had a call from Franklin during the show. Franklin's one of our regular callers, and uh, we really appreciate not just our regular callers, but anyone who listens, whether it's your first time or it's your 21st time. He said he'd been listening since for, for 21 years. This is the 21st year that Soapy has uh, taken us through the Bible. Uh, each book, each passage, each chapter, each verse. And it, it's really a blessing to have that on the air. And not every market or every city gets to have that. And uh, But then again, if you go to Alexis, Alexa or you go to uh, the Internet, which is BibleLive.com. All the readings are up there on BibleLive.com. And so I guess wherever you are, you can listen to the Bible as brought, brought to you by Soapy Dollar. And, uh, and, and until we meet again next week, y'all have a good week, have a good night, and take care. This is the Bible Live Quiz Show. And it's been my pleasure to fill in for Soapy, what little I am doing. Get well, Soapy. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 930 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The The Bible Bible Live Live Quiz Show. Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and the Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.